Hi, crime junkies. It's Ashley here. And you all know how ready I am at any moment to drop down the rabbit holes of mysterious cases to look for answers. And there's actually one right now that I cannot stop spiraling about with more rabbit holes than I can count. In this season of Counterclock, investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra begins investigating Doug Wag Jr.'s mysterious death after he was found struck on a strip of railroad tracks. But the more Delia has dug into this case, the stranger things have gotten. And you guys, there is truly so much going on. A string of mysterious deaths, a bank robbery gone wrong, conspiracy, corruption, and it may all be connected. You can binge all of Counterclock Season 6 right now in the Crime Junkie Fan Club, or you can listen to new episodes weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Recently, I've been sleeping flat on my belly, and my chiropractor said that if I'm going to do that, I should really have as firm a mattress as possible. So... I didn't have to get a new mattress. I just cranked my sleep number up all the way to 100, and I've avoided any lower back pain that sometimes comes with belly sleeping. J.D. Power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number Store or sleepnumber.com. From your morning podcast to your afternoon playlist, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with the State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. Hi, Crime Junkies. I'm your host, Ashley Flowers, and this is one of two mini-episodes that we're releasing today. So if you're just tuning in, be sure to check out your feed after you listen to this episode. And this episode is about a young mother trying to get back on her feet to care for her daughters. But someone got in the way of that when they took the woman's life. And at the same time, her youngest daughter goes missing. The connection seems too close to write off as a coincidence, and investigators need your help getting the people with answers to talk. This is the story of Nikki and Ariana Fitz. It's the morning of April 2nd, 2016, and a woman named Goyette wakes up to this strange text message from her roommate, Nicole Fitz, who goes by Nikki. Goyette sees that at some point in the middle of the night, Nikki had texted her saying that she was going to go to Fresno, California with a friend named Sam. But Fresno is like four hours away from where they live in San Francisco, and Nikki doesn't have a car. Now, Goyette has never even heard of a friend named Sam, and Nikki's not the type of person who just takes off with little warning. But what makes this all extra strange is this memory that Goyette has of the way that Nikki left the night before. 
At the time, it wasn't concerning, but now, in hindsight and in light of this message, it's just kind of gnawing at her. You see, Nikki had left sometime in the evening saying that she was going to go meet someone at a local restaurant and then she'd be back soon. But she didn't come back, and by the time Goyette went to bed, she still wasn't home. Now, Nikki is 32 years old, and she has every right to take off on some mystery trip and not tell her roommate about every friend she has. But Goyette's confusion only grows when she gets on Facebook and sees that Nikki made a post at like 1.13 in the morning that reads, quote, Spending time with my three-year-old need this break, end quote. So Nikki does have a little girl, Ariana, but she's two, not three, and in the post, the word break is spelled B-R-A-K-E, not B-R-E-A-K. According to reporting by Nula Sawyer-Bashari for SF Weekly, Nikki always used proper spelling and grammar. She's not like me. So Goyette starts to wonder if Nikki was even the one who wrote that post to begin with. Now, at the time all of this is happening, Nikki's daughter, Ariana, doesn't actually live in the home with them. Based on my research, I don't think Goyette knows all of the details, but Nikki had fallen on some hard times, and so while she was trying to get back on her feet, she let Ariana stay with some babysitters in another part of town. But during this time, just to fill you in what was going on, things were looking up for Nikki. I mean, she had got a job at Best Buy, where Goyette also works. She was working on bringing Ariana back to live with them. So part of Goyette is wondering, okay, maybe she did go on some kind of trip with her daughter, I don't know, but it all still seems weird. And it keeps getting weirder as the whole day goes by without any sign of Nikki. And weirder still when the next day comes and Nikki is a no-call, no-show to work. And then the same thing happens the next day. This is super unlike Nikki, and her coworkers start to get really worried. So they start asking around to see who last talked to her. Another coworker named Michael Jacobo says that the last time he saw her was the last time she was at work a few days ago on April 1st. He says that her shift was entirely normal, and after they got off work, she had been planning on going and hanging out with her sister's girlfriend, who was in town for an interview. But like something happened, those plans fell through, and so she and Michael actually decided to go to the mall. Just like her shift at work, Michael said that their mall trip went smoothly, and Michael didn't notice anything out of the ordinary. He bought some clothes, and before the two parted ways for the night, they stopped by a pizza hut so Nikki could pick up some food. But then he says she did something weird that even at the time Michael thought was a little strange. She went to a nearby 7-Eleven and withdrew a few hundred dollars from an ATM. Now, she didn't tell Michael what the money was for, and I'm not sure if he even asked about it, but now that he's looking back on it, it stands out even more. Though, to be fair, he doesn't even know what to make of it. He's just like, I don't know why she was pulling out a couple hundred dollars just to, like, go home, because that's where he thought she was going. Nikki continues missing work, and by this point, her coworkers are sure something is wrong. But they don't call police. And it's around this time that Nikki's sister Tess and Tess's girlfriend Claire learn that Nikki is missing. And when they hear that she hasn't been seen in a few days, they start panicking because just like her coworkers, they know that her missing work is a massive red flag. But they're even more concerned because they have a little more context than her roommate and her coworkers do. And what they know makes them so nervous. You see, Nikki had more than her fair share of struggles in her lifetime. For a while, she experienced homelessness, and in addition to two-year-old Ariana, she also has another daughter named Sendi, who's 12. 
Now, she had lost custody of Cindy years ago, but she was actively working on getting her back, and she seemed to be so close. But a big piece of that was where she was going to live, and finding a place for her and Ariana and eventually Cindy had not been an easy journey. According to an article for KTVU Fox 2, while Nikki was staying at a local homeless shelter, she met a woman named Lemisani Briggs. Lemisani described herself as a quote-unquote street pastor, and she had offered Nikki and Ariana a place to stay. Now, Nikki accepted, and at first it seemed like a really good deal. Like, she and her daughter had a roof over the head, she got that job at Best Buy, and Lemisani would watch Ariana for her while she was at work. Now, even though she did have to pay some rent, this seemed like the first step in getting her life back on track. But things quickly took a turn. Lemisani raised her rent, and she even raised the fee for babysitting Ariana. So just about all of her Best Buy paychecks are going to go straight to Lemisani. And as time went on, their relationship began to deteriorate, to the point where Lemisani was being verbally abusive and going through Nikki's things. And what's more, Nikki was never even given a key to the apartment that she was living in and again paying rent for, so she couldn't just come and go as she pleased. Now, during all of this, Tess and Claire were aware of how bad things had gotten. So they eventually stepped in and got Nikki and Ariana out of that house in November of 2015. But just because she left Lemisani doesn't mean that the harassment stopped. Over the next few months, Nikki got text after text from Lemisani demanding that she bring Ariana back to her. But Nikki stayed away. She never moved back in. After she moved out of that house, Nikki bounced around a few friends' couches, but she knew that Ariana needed a more consistent place to be. So she would actually leave her with two sisters named Helena Martin and Ciolo Hearn while she was at work. Now, Nikki knew these two because they are actually Lemisani's nieces, and they would sometimes help babysit Ariana before the two had moved out of Lemisani's house. But even though the two sisters and Lemisani had a strained relationship, like they weren't getting along, Nikki trusted Helena and Ciolo. She felt like her daughter was safe with them. You know, she'd stayed with them before, and you guys, finding childcare is rough. I do not know how single moms do it. Like, she cannot afford a better life for her and her daughters unless she works. She cannot work unless she has childcare. This is an impossible situation that so many parents find themselves in. So Nikki utilizes the help she can get. And since she was couch hopping, it made more sense for Helena and Ciolo to babysit for days at a time. So Ariana had a safe place to stay. Again, she was looking for consistency for her daughter. Now, eventually, Goyette offered to let Nikki stay at her place. And she even offered to let Ariana come stay there, too. But after Nikki moved in with Goyette, she ran into another problem. Helena and Ciolo wouldn't give Ariana back. And they weren't even letting her see her own daughter. Every time she would reach out, they always had some excuse. Like once in March, when Nikki said that she was going to go pick up Ariana, they said that they had taken her to Disneyland, which Nikki hadn't even known about or approved. And this was all upsetting, but Nikki wasn't really letting people in on how worried she was. I don't know if she was embarrassed or trying to protect herself or trying to protect her daughter, but she kind of kept this to herself. In fact, Tess and Claire hadn't actually seen Ariana themselves since about February. And when they finally learned about Nikki's struggles to get Ariana back, they realized that they had no idea how long it had been since Nikki had seen her own kid. So 
this is the situation. This is where everything stands, and this is all the background info that they have while Nikki herself is now missing. So Claire and Tess, and then Tess and Nikki's other sister, Catherine, they all go report Nikki missing on April 5th. You guys want to guess what happened? Yeah. They're told that since Nikki is over 18, there's not much they can do. Now, Ariana is reported missing around this time as well. Sources vary on exactly when she was reported missing and what police's initial efforts were to find her. But that doesn't stop Tess, Claire, and Catherine from searching for the two themselves. They go through Nikki's Facebook friends, they start contacting people, and eventually they reach out directly to Helena and Ciolo. They do this by Claire sending a friend request to Ciolo, which gets accepted. But when Claire sends her a message, she doesn't get a response. So after getting the silent treatment, the women decide to try to physically track these two women down. They had actually been to Helena's house once before. So they drive over, they knock on the door, but no one answers. So they go to Ciolo's apartment. They do the same thing. But again, no one answers. Now, this whole time, there's something like strange and disturbing that's happening. Because even though Nikki is missing, her Facebook is still active. And either she... Or more likely, someone who has her login keeps making posts. And you might think that seeing activity would be encouraging, but the stuff that's being posted is really worrisome. KTVU Fox 2 reported that on Thursday, April 7th, there is a post on her page that reads, quote, Happy birthday to my son. But, hi, this is weird because anyone who actually knows Nikki knows that she only has Ariana and Cindy. So, Someone has her login, someone who clearly doesn't even know her. But the question is, who? A few more days pass with no word from Nikki, and her family and friends get increasingly more scared that something bad has happened to her. But still, it seems like the police aren't doing anything to find either Nikki or Ariana, which... Again, I know their whole thing is like, oh, Nikki's over 18. She can do what she wants. She's a grown adult. If you want to say she walked away, fine. Okay. But Ariana is two years old. And they should know, based on everything they've been told, that she was not with her mother last. Her mother couldn't even see her. She was with people who were not her legal guardians. And now, no one in her family can locate this two-year-old or the women she's supposed to be with. This is a problem. But it doesn't seem to be much of a concern for the San Francisco police. And that decision to write off their disappearances was one that had dire consequences when the truth of what really happened to Nikki came crashing in on them on April 8th. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Mr. Hamburglar. Bravo, bravo. He said, of all the McDonald's burgers I've ever hamburgled, these are the hottest, juiciest, and tastiest. Brubble. Hurry in and enjoy one of our 350 bundles, like a daily double and small fries for a limited time. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any of the offer comparison of prior classic burgers. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. People think the new fresh fragrances from Glade are fresher than fresh, like artist Angela. Transport your lives a day with the first sense of play.
That morning, police got a call from a gardener in San Francisco who tells them that he found the body of a woman under some plywood behind bushes. When police respond, they find that the woman is curled up, almost in the fetal position, and from the looks of it, she has been severely beaten. Now, they suspect early on that it could be missing 32-year-old Nikki Fitz, and by the next day, that suspicion is confirmed. Now, just as a side note for you, the police haven't disclosed a lot about the scene or how Nikki was killed. And I can't find anything that states if she was killed there at the park or if she was killed somewhere else and then just dumped there. But something that stands out to investigators at the scene right away is that piece of plywood that was covering her. It's pretty large and it has a silver like figure spray painted on it. I actually included a picture of the plywood in our blog post for this episode because, honestly, it's super hard to describe, but they're hopeful that they can figure out where it came from based on that figure. It's pretty distinctive. So once police notify Nikki's family about their discovery, all of them immediately start asking the same question that they've been asking for days. Okay, you found Nikki, but where is Ariana? Her father isn't in the picture, and it is confirmed that he doesn't have her. I assume that they checked with other family members just to make sure no one else has her either, but that's never reported on. But what is reported on is that when police go talk to Nikki's family and coworkers, they give them the same names that have been on their lips all along. Lemisani, Helena, Ciolo. When police look into who these women are, there is something about Helena that stands out. It turns out she had previously been convicted of killing a man when she was just 18 years old. He was the father of her two-year-old child, and she served a total of six years. Now, I'm not sure what the circumstances surrounding that situation were, and I can't find much reporting on his death or her motive or incarceration. But knowing that a convicted murderer was one of the last people known to have a missing child of a murdered woman seems like a good place to start. So police try and talk to her and her sister and her aunt. But right away, it's clear that none of them have Ariana, and all three of them quickly become uncooperative. Investigators have never released what their conversations with Helena, Ciolo, and Lemassani consisted of. But we do know, based on that article by Nula Sawyer Bashari, that over the following days and weeks, the three give statements that are inconsistent. Investigators serve multiple search warrants over the following weeks for both Helena and Ciolo's homes. And I think they even check out other cities around California where Nikki was known to have frequented. And while it's not clear whether they found any evidence of what happened to Ariana or Nikki, I have to assume that anything they may have found wasn't concrete enough to move the case forward because several weeks go by without any advancements. During this time, Helena and her husband Devin hire an attorney to represent her, and they completely stop cooperating with investigators. Ciolo follows suit soon after, which of course raises some eyebrows. I mean, their behavior, both before and after Ariana's disappearance and Nikki's murder, raises a ton of suspicion because you would think if they were the last people to have seen the toddler, they probably know what happened. But they're not talking. One of Nikki's friends named Cheryl even goes so far as to speculate that they did something to Ariana in another article for KTVU Fox 2. She believes that something happened to Ariana in their care and that the two sisters killed Nikki to cover it up. That's just one theory. And police don't even name any of these women as suspects. At some point, the FBI is brought in to assist in the investigation. But as time goes on, they just don't get anywhere. Though it's not for a lack of information. 
According to an article by Ria Bhattacharji for NBC Bay Area, investigators have over 30,000 pieces of information. But even though it seems like they have a lot to work with, the case just stays open and unsolved. So later that month, police take another step to try and bring in whatever it is that they're looking for information-wise. And to do this, they decide to release an image of the plywood that they found covering Nikki's body, the one with that spray-painted symbol. Again, they had found it at the scene. You guys knew about it. But this is the first time the public was hearing about it. And the investigators' hopes are that someone can at least clarify where it came from. But literally, they don't get anything solid from this, which is why it is so important that I need you to go to our blog post and look at that picture. This is key to the investigation. Best Buy has even offered a $10,000 reward to anyone who provides information leading to Ariana's discovery, and family members started a Facebook page to keep Ariana's name top of mind. But soon, that month turned into a year, and there were no leads, nothing solid. Around the one-year anniversary of Nikki's murder and Ariana's disappearance, San Francisco police and the FBI partner up to test evidence from the crime scene for DNA. Although they never say what exactly that evidence is. They also serve a search warrant on a car that they believe is tied to the case. And some people speculate that it's Helena's car, but again, they never name whose car it is or what exactly they're searching for. Almost four years after Ariana was last seen, the San Francisco Police Department authorizes a $100,000 reward for information that leads to the conviction of Nikki's killer or killers, as well as Ariana's disappearance. They also have a sketch artist do an age progression sketch of what Ariana would look like at six years old, and they update that sketch in April of 2022. Like, there's a very recent one now. And that same month of April, the reward is raised to a staggering $250,000. Billboards are even put up in California and Nevada, where Ciolo, Helena, and possibly Lemassani have all moved. As of the release of this episode, no arrests have been made for Nikki's murder or Ariana's disappearance, and Ariana still has not been located. Since the investigation is ongoing, there are a lot of questions I have that I can't answer, like whether there were cameras at the park where Nikki was found or what happened to that money that she withdrew on the night she was last seen. But even without these answers, Nikki's family still believes that Ariana is alive out there somewhere. I mean, she would be nine years old now. And if you want to see that updated age progression photo, I beg you to go take a look. You can find that in our blog post. Her family has also started a website, arianafitz.org, and they have two Facebook pages that are dedicated to keeping the search for her alive. We're going to have those pages linked in our show notes. Again, you can find them on our blog post as well. This case truly can be solved if the right person comes forward and points police in the right direction. And you guys know what I'm going to say. That's you. If you or anyone you know has information that could help to bring Ariana home, call the San Francisco Police Department's 24-hour tip line at one 415-575-4444. You can even text a tip to tip411 and begin the message with SFPD. You can also submit a tip online to the Black and Missing Foundation. We're going to have all of that information in our show notes for you. Again, please go look at the age progress photo of Ariana and please look at that picture of the plywood. Both of those are key to solving the murder of Nikki and finding Ariana. 
And don't forget, we dropped another episode in your feed today, so be sure to go check out that case as well. Because much like Nikki and Ariana's story, the other one is a story of a murdered family with a young girl at the center of the mystery. You can find all of the source material for this episode on our website, crimejunkiepodcast.com. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at crimejunkiepodcast, and I'm going to be back next week with a brand new episode. Crime Junkie is an audio Chuck production. So, what do you think, Chuck? Do you approve? <laughs>